Well, good morning. <clears throat> it is so good to be here, isn't it? How many of you have been here before? Almost everybody, huh? A few new ones that haven't been here before. <clears throat> this is a special place. It's special for a lot of reasons. It's special in its beauty, obviously, as we look around. <clears throat> and it's, it's beautiful because there's a family that caretakes this for the Lord. Now they placed them in this garden and said, till it, take care, of, take care of it for me. And they've done a beautiful job. So Ron and Diane, we thank you for this beautiful spot. They don't own it. They may have the title to it, but this is the Lord's. And they use it to glorify him. When we were, uh, as you know, the church sent a bunch of us back to the Sing Conference back in Tennessee. And uh, that was a, just an amazing blessing for those of us who got out to go. And while we're back there, I <clears throat> heard a quote. Because, you know, Nashville is the country music capital of the world. How many love country music? you got to love country music. Because it is American music, isn't it? You know? if, if you don't, you really probably see if you're saved. <laughs> At least in this country. <laughs> But we were back there, and there's a little quote back there uh, that I later heard on PBS. It said, um, country music is three chords in the truth. And um, because it, it comes from our roots, uh, from the 1920s and 30s when America was entering into that Depression era and really struggling, and country music told a story. It told a story about people. It told a story of their struggle. It told the story of their failures and their successes. And the reason it resonates so much with us is because we can identify with it. We've all gone through heartbreaks and we've all gone through struggles. We've all gone through disappointments and letdowns and job firings and who knows, all the foreclosures and loss of loved ones. And country music talks about that. It's a story well told. And as I've thought about country music, I've thought about God's story. I would say that a story is the truth, a good story is the truth well told. That's what God's story is. It's a truth well told. In your bulletins, right after there's a responsive reading, it's from Genesis chapter 1. And I'd like us to start there. If Ron and Ron, thank you. Elders, thank you for the invitation to speak today. It's a real honor for me to do this on our anniversary, a special honor. Um, and Ron said, you know, uh, you know, would you come and speak? And I said, yeah, I'd, I'd be honored to come and speak. And he said, well, what do you want to speak on? And I said, well, how about the Bible? <laughs> and he says, well, what part? And I said, well, how about all of it? And he kind of gave me one of those Ron looks like, are you serious? And I said, yeah. I am serious, and I'm going to do it. We got two or three hours. <laughs> Take your responsive reading, and let's stand and read the first five verses of Genesis chapter 1. So stand with me. It's there in your bulletin. Just flip back, and you'll see it responsive reading there. And it's in the New American Standard Version, or you can use a real Bible if you've got one. So read with me. In the beginning... 
God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God said, let the light was... And God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was the evening, and there was the morning, one day. Have a seat. <clears throat> Let's pray, shall we? Father, as we just come to celebrate your blessed goodness, thank you so much for this place that is so special to many of our hearts and the heart of Oak Grove, and that you brought us here at a special time uh, to do something very special. Thank you for the wonder of your creation that we get to stand in and enjoy this day. And Father, may the words I speak bring glory to your name and would they minister to each one of us. For we know these words are not mine, Father, but they come from you. So thank you. In your son's name, amen. As we read that, it's obviously the beginning of the story of creation. <clears throat> what if we put an emphasis in that first sentence a little bit different? In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. The focus is in something that God is going to do. It starts out by saying, this is God's story. This is God's revelation to us. This is how you can come to know what I have done. In the beginning, I did these things. I created the heaven and the earth. Everything here, everything here, he created. And the wonder of it is that we are in that first sentence. In the beginning, God created everything, including you and me. As we move through that Genesis account, we find that he created us in his own image. He created all the other things, plants and animals. And on that sixth day of the creation, he created us in his image. Male and female, he created us in his image. Let that sink into our souls, not just our minds for a minute. That the very essence of who you are was created in God's image. To have a fellowship with him. He wanted us to be involved in his story. And he created us in his image. And he placed us in a garden. And he said to us, take care of it. Now, as a biologist that works with natural resources, that is really important to me because what it says is something really significant, that this creation was meant to have our hand on it, to till it and take care of it. And if you look at what Ron and Diane and their family have done here and the care that they've given to this aspect of the creation, and then you look at the wilderness behind, there is a difference between where the hand of man has worked with the hand of God to create something beautiful, to bring order, and to bring peace. And you cannot come to this backyard without sensing that order and that peace, unless you come right after a big snowstorm. And then there's chaos <laughs> that we bring back to the order and to the peace. 
as we move through the Genesis account, it doesn't take long before Satan has his way. And, you know, we were tempted, we sinned, we fell, and sin entered in to the wonder of this creation. And with it came death. And we can look around, we can see that affected all the creation. We can look around at each other and see the work of sin in our lives as each of us, year by year, that death is working in our mortal bodies. And we're moving toward that time when our mortal bodies will be in the grave. But at the same time, as the story unfolds, God was in the process of redemption. Not only the creation, but of us. And he decided he'd choose a people. And he chose a man, Abraham. And he said, Abraham, I'm going to give you a promise. I'm going to make a covenant with you that out of you, I'm going to rise up a people that are going to number more than the stars in heaven. And I want you and your people to testify to the world of who I am. And as you know, that ultimately ended up in the nation of Israel going down into Egypt. And there Moses led them out. And it's been said that as Moses led them across the Red Sea and into Sinai, where they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness, it was easy for God to get them out of Egypt. It took him 40 years to get Egypt out of them. And that's so true of all of us, that we are so infected by the world that it's so many times the world just smashes in us and it's hard for us to see who God is and to see him clearly. And yet he desires to raise us up above the plane, the ordinary plane that we live in, to another plane, a higher plane, in the heavenlies, a spiritual plane of a fellowship with him. And that's what makes all the difference in the world in handling what we've embraced here in the world. And so he gave him, he took Moses up to Mount Sinai. He gave him the commandments, his moral law. And then as we move through the scripture, this is who I am, people. This is my standard. What makes murder wrong? In some cultures, it's not. Why is murder wrong? Because God says it is. Why is adultery wrong? Why should you honor your mother and your father? Because this is right in the sight of the Lord. Why should children obey your parents? Why? Because this is right in the sight of the Lord. He gave us his character through the law. He wants us to know who he is. That, that those generations would be a testimony to the rest of the world of who God was like. And then Joshua takes them into the promised land. And he gives, as they move into the promised land, they cross the Jordan. He challenges those people with a question. He says, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. Choose. But for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So you choose. And that is the choice. God doesn't force us, does he, to follow him. He allows us out of love to choose him. But the challenge for each one of us is always the same. Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. As the history unfolds in those Old Testament times, this, you know, King, Saul, King uh, David, King Solomon, some of, them, some of them did it right. Some of them, like Saul, they did not serve well. They did not exemplify God's character well. We have the beautiful Psalms, the Proverbs, 
Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, those wonderful books that express who God is and the kinds of ways that we can live if we will conform our lives to what he's called us to, to bring joy and comfort and peace into our lives, regardless of the circumstances that are around us. Then we move further into the prophets, and therefore telling that someday, in some little backwater town, like Millville, but over in the Holy Land, some little backwater town, the Messiah is going to be born. He's coming. And he's going to redeem those people so you don't have to make those sacrifices anymore for the remission of your sin. That he is going to come and shed his blood for the remission of all, for all of our sins. It was said of Abraham, Abraham believed God and was reckoned to him as righteousness. The salvation for mankind has always been believe God. Believe what he says and he will reckon his righteousness into your heart and into your soul and into your spirit. And so Jesus was born. We celebrate at Christmas. He was born there in that little town of Bethlehem. They didn't even live in Bethlehem. But it had been prophesied that is where the Savior would be born. So because of a tax, Mary and Joseph ended up in Bethlehem. And the Savior was born. Praise God. The Savior was born. And he lived that life we couldn't, didn't he? He lived that righteous life for 30-some-odd years, and he exemplified so we could see what it looked like to live like God, because he was God. And then we crucified him. Why? Because we didn't like what we saw. He was messing up the system. He was calling us to a different life than what the Romans believed in and all their gods, and they're like, what the Jews believed in. He messed up the system. There's no reason to crucify Jesus Christ except that God had ordained it to be done. God sent his son to die for me and for you to hang on that cross and to shed his blood that we would not have to bear the penalty for our sin. And then, not that death is any big deal to Jesus, third day, he rose. And we serve a living Savior with a spirit that makes intercession for us and we don't even know how to pray for ourselves. And then he gathers those apostles and he gives them a commission. Go into all the world. Go out there and tell them about me. Tell them. Be my witnesses. Go. Go to a dying world. Go to a world that's making gods out of wood and then making the fire out of the same log. Go out there in the world that are worshiping success and money and power, and all the while their souls and their hearts and their spirits are dying within, even though they've got wealth like crazy. Go out there to the poor. Go out there to the hurting. Go out there to those that have been set aside, that feel their lives are worthless because that's what the world has told them, that you're worthless. Go out there and tell them you're not worthless. The Savior died for you. And so they went. And all but John gave their lives for going. But John was set aside for another purpose, as we read through the scriptures. And that was to bring us the book of Revelations, a further revelation of what God is going to do. And he is coming back. Our Savior is coming back. Amen to that? 
He is coming back. And he is coming back on a white horse. And those of us that die before that day and are not raptured, we're coming back with him on horses. Now, this is an important point. <laughs> because one of the challenges for our elders is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, if you're going to come back with the Lord on a white horse, you need to know how to ride. <laughs> so the elders have brought horses here. Who hasn't ever been on a horse? Come on, be honest. Who hasn't been on a horse? All right. All right. We don't want anybody from Oak Grove to be inexperienced when that day comes and we're riding with the Lord. So this is your day. This is your day. That is a story well told. And we can look at that story and look at that story over and over. So that brings us here, 14 years ago, to here, the story does. 14 years ago, there were four couples that <clears throat> wanted to worship God. There was a storm going on, and they wanted to find a place of peace. And they were invited here. And a few weeks later, more came because they wanted to worship God here in peace and with one another. Nobody ever intended to start a church in those days. All those people wanted to do was show their love for their Savior. And that's what it's about, isn't it? It's not about being a Methodist or a Baptist or a Presbyterian or a Mormon or anything, or Hindu. It's about loving Jesus Christ, our God and our Savior, the Holy Father, the Holy Spirit. And what is the greatest of all the commandments? Love your neighbor as yourself. To love one another. And so they came here to love one another. In a little while after that, it was going to rain because it was in September. And so that group of people decided they needed a place. They, we, they took a vote right here in this, in this year, area right here. They took a vote and said, we want to stay together. <clears throat> so they needed a place. And so they found the Adventist church over there, and that congregation welcomed us to come and get a roof over our head. And then we went, oh, my goodness, if we're going to be a fellowship, we need to somehow get some thoughts together about what this fellowship represents. And so the congregation got together, and they appointed a steering committee to draft a set of guidelines and a doctrinal statement of what this would be. And then we needed a name. And we talked a lot about what our name should be, Oak Grove Bible Fellowship. And let me start at the back end. This is a fellowship centered around the Bible that started here in this Oak Grove. We chose fellowship because the church is a universal term for the body of Christ. So we show this is a fellowship of that body of Christ, of the church. It's a fellowship. We come together to express our love and our care for one another. And so our name is really significant to the principle of what God did right here. We're a fellowship based on God's holy word that started right here. Nobody ever intended to do that. This was a work of God. 
and it's centered here. And I've thought about a lot about what I might say today. I was sharing with, we were back there at the Singh conference, and Derek and I were talking, and I said, you know, we're riding back on one of those Ubers or whatever those, yeah, those things are. And it just hit me. It hit me that this is a story well told. We can read this story. We can tell others about this story. But it, what hit me is God's called us to be the story. Have you ever thought about that? Because let me turn over to Psalm 100. This is really easy. It says, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. And that's what we've been doing and we should do. Score that point. <laughs> know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who made us, we not of ourselves. Now note what he says next. This is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We are his. We've been bought with a price. We belong to the most high God. We are the story. He did everything for us. Do you realize that? Everything. All this is created. And the Savior, everything he did for us. That we might have a fellowship with him. And he might have a fellowship with us. It is our lives that tell the story. When we go out there, it's some of what we say. But it's how we live. If you love me, what? You obey my commandments. Why? Because I want you to be my testimony of who I am. That is a royal high calling. It's not to be surfers and cowboys and mechanics and all that. We do all those things. But it is to be a testimony of who God is to a dying world by the way we live every day. It also brings something really important that most of life is missing now, and that's significance to your life. Because if we're the story, then everything, and it's his creation, then everything we do has value, all the way from making the bed neatly when nobody sees, doing the job well when you're out there like we are in the woods when nobody sees, of taking care of that sick one or that dying one when nobody sees or cares, for behaving correctly and lovingly when those around you are putting you down and loved ones turned away from you and not coming back with vengeance or as the flesh would want to. It is in those kind of times with patience and long-suffering and love and the fruit of the Spirit, those things that characterize our Savior should characterize our life because we are the story to the world. And the story is his story. It's all about Jesus Christ. And he desires to show himself through us. That is an amazing call. And that's what makes cleaning the toilet important because we're caring for something that he's given to us. Everything we have has been given to us that we might enjoy life and enjoy him and to share his love and grace. So let us be the story. As Oak Grove continues,
It's not necessarily about being at a church. It's about being the story, the wonderful story, a story well told. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the joy of being in this beautiful part of your creation and that Ron and Diane have so lovingly and tenderly cared for. Thank you for the wonder of our dear Savior, Jesus Christ, and his willingness, not only his willingness, but his love for us, that he'd be willing to go to that cross, endure the humility and the shame and the suffering, the anguish and the death there that we put him through. And that he rose again on that third day. And that because of that, we have a guarantee of eternal life for those of us that just trust him. And if there's any here, Father, this day that have never done that, may they do it this day. May they just realize the love that God has for them expressed through the Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this day where we can have fun together, rejoice in your goodness to us, and rejoice in the God that you are. We praise you in his name. Amen. Derry's going to come and lead us in a really special song that really ministered to a bunch of us back there in um, Tennessee. So, Derek? Yeah, as we uh, go to the end of that story in Revelation, and as Steve already talked about, we come to John, and he is, uh, I think it's in chapter 4 or 5. He's standing there. Uh, and he comes to this point where there's scrolls to be opened and there's no one worthy. And he begins to weep as he looks at this um, because this needs to be handled. Someone needs to go up. There's a crisis and someone needs to be able to and there's no one worthy. And he asks that question and then the angel gives the response, which really is what we're going to sing together. So this is a little bit different of a song. Um the, it's it's a kind of almost a question and response. So I'm going to sing a part, and then your part is really complicated. You answer, as you can see there in your programs. Um, we do, um, it is, and then he is. But we will sing the choruses together. So when we get to the chorus, we can all sing. So.
is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory is he worthy Every nation and time. 